This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Would you just bow your head with me this morning before we go into the Word together? Lord, I just thank you so much again for you leading and guiding our steps, ordering our steps, Lord, that wherever you would lead, we would follow, that we would be trusting in you, Father. We just, once again, Father, as a church family, just lift up those who are grieving today, those who are hurting today, Father, Lord, over the loss of family members, over the loss of friends and loved ones and comrades in arms, Lord, and just thank you so much, Father, just those that are grieving today, that you would just grant them just a, just a peace that only your Holy Spirit can bring, a peace that passes our understanding, that would just guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Help us today. Lord, to be attentive to your Holy Spirit, to be attentive to what your Spirit would say to us throughout this message, throughout this day, throughout our lives, as we take this word and we're not just hearers of it, but that we implement the word, that we actually live it out, that we ask you how to make this practical in our everyday lives so we won't just be people who have a lot of head knowledge, but we would be people who are producing fruit. We would be believers that are producing kingdom fruit for your glory Lord, where souls are being saved, where lives are being changed, where the gospel is being preached, Lord, where grace is being shared, we honor you today. We humble ourselves before you today, and we say, not our way, but your way. We humble ourselves before you today, and we say, not the way we've already got things set and locked in our mind, but Lord, renew our minds to the washing of the water of your word as you pour your word over us today, God. I pray that it will just change us, mold us, and shape us more and more into image bearers, light bearers of Christ, so that we can be showing the world your glory and your grace and your love and mercy. We thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us and doing in our hearts and through us today what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, well, we're going to wrap up our study through the book of Philippians. Um, This is the fifth message in that series, and if you've missed any of those, I would encourage you to go back. We're kind of wrapping up Paul's letter here that he was writing to the church in Philippi, and we know that Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. So we can kind of get the idea of what Paul is saying and why he's saying it. He wants to go to the church in Philippi, but he can't because he's in prison, but he loves these people dearly. Remember, this was the very first church that Paul planted, and he loves these guys a lot, and he really wanted to go see them but he couldn't, so he's writing this letter to them to address the things that he wants them to make sure that they hold close and dear. So if you're taking notes this morning, we're going to wrap it up with Paul finishing his letter to the Philippians with a message entitled, God's Provision. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, or you can always follow along on Version if you have that app on your phone, and you can go to the live section of Version, and you'll be able to follow along there. So we're going to start off in Philippians chapter, 10, uh, chapter 4 and, and verse 10. Um, that's where we left off last week. We read all the way up to 9, and uh, we're just going to kind of finish that up. So if you have your Bible, you can go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. And I want to read this out of the English Standard Version. Normally when I preach, I use the New King James, but I really like the way that the English Standard uh, worded this. So we're going to look at this together from the English Standard Version here today, where he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned that whatever situation that I am, he said, I've learned how to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble And you Philippians yourselves, you know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Go ahead to the next one, please. It says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received... From our buddy, E.P., let's call him, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I think it's really interesting, one of the ways that Paul worded one of the things that he said before he began to say one of the most famous scriptures that you and I have probably seen and heard, whether we were raised in church or not, is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Next to John 3.16, that's probably the second most well-known verse of the Bible, both of Christians and of non-Christians. We know that God so loved the world, and we know that I can do all things. And those are really two cornerstone scriptures that get quoted a lot. And I think that when we look at Philippians 4 and 13, we see that it often gets misquoted or misused because people think that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me simply means I can do anything that I want to do because Christ will give me the strength to do whatever I need to do. But if we look at it in context, we see that it means much more than just what we would want to pull out and make it say, that it's actually a little bit more focused of a thing. I think that sometimes we think, you know, oh, I I, I haven't uh, prepared adequately for this review or or, or this thing at work, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or we think, "I, I, 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 I wasn't adequately prepared for this or that, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's not really what the Scriptures say. And if we use it that way, then we're misunderstanding the context of the Scripture. Remember, where's Paul at when he wrote this? He's in prison. Guess what? When you're in prison, you don't just get casually walked in and asked what you would like to eat for the next few days. You don't, ask if you're, you don't get asked if your pillows are fluffy enough or if your blankets are comfortable enough. Most of the time, you get thrown in prison after getting a severe beating. Okay, And this is where Paul's at. Paul was whipped many times, he was beaten many times, he was flogged, he was mocked, he was ridiculed publicly, put in stocks in the center of town many times, and he talks about that through his letters to different churches. So we know that here's Paul, and he goes to a place where he has been abused, where he is probably being poorly fed, he's being poorly taken care of, maybe occasionally beaten just for the joy of the Romans who have him in captivity or whatever. And here's Paul, and he's thrown here in this prison... And he says, listen, I have been hungry, and I have been full. He said, 
but I've learned the secret to being content. I've learned the secret to being happy even when things don't go my way. Because how many of you have realized that just because you're a Christian, not everything's going to go your way? Have you figured that one out? It's not like, oh, I'll accept Jesus. That sounds good to me. Everything's going to go my way. And then a few weeks later, you're kind of going, I don't know if this was the right move for me or not. (laughs) Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean things are going to go your way. And we all know that. If you've been a Christian longer than five seconds, you're going to figure that out. And if you think that Christianity is all about God doing whatever you want, when you want, and all about getting everything that your little heart wants and everything that you think you need to be happy and successful and fulfilled in life, then you've got another thing coming because the Apostle Paul, who was very schooled, very very in love with God, who understood grace, who understood the message of the cross and did more for God than I could ever dream about doing and gave his very life for him, He said, I've learned how to be content when I'm whipped and thrown in a prison. And I've learned also how to be content when I'm well-fed and I'm free and I'm taken care of. He said, I've learned the secret to contentment. And the secret to contentment is joy in Christ being enough. That's the secret to contentment. Oh, that sounds too simple. Yeah, I know, because we always want to make everything difficult. This is truly the secret to contentment. I think a lot of times we don't understand contentment because we're looking at provision as being everything that I want instead of everything that I need. Hello, somebody. We think contentment means I get everything I think I need in order to be happy. Because if you and I were to travel to a third world country... And we were to visit with someone and ask them what do they need, and they asked us what do we need, our answers would probably be a little different, wouldn't you think? I need cable. I need the NFL package. Um, You know, I need some spending money just for fun, you know. And this person would be like, I need water. Oh, you mean bottled, like like Aquafina, or do you like the Fiji stuff? I don't know. That's kind of weird. The Fiji stuff's kind of weird. It doesn't, doesn't really go down right for me. I can't do Fiji. Is that the kind of discussion that we would have? Because need to someone who really understands basic need is going to be different from the Americanized version of need. Is it not? Of course it is. And here's Paul saying, I've learned how to get everything I need, and I haven't found it from my job, I haven't found it from my spouse, I haven't found it through living vicariously through my children, I haven't found it from my job, I found it from Christ. In other words, Christ is my source for everything I need. Paul said, you can take everything away from me, but if I still have Jesus, I can still be content. He said, how do I do this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, my purpose and the love that I have for Christ and the security that I have in knowing Him far outweighs anything else in this life that could bring me temporal joy. And I think that we know that. I really do. I don't think I'm telling you anything that you're like, wow, whoa, mind blown, never heard that before. I think we know that. But I think that's the problem too is that we can know a lot of things but be really poor at applying them. Isn't that the truth? 
We can know a lot of things. We can say the right things. Matter of fact, you could probably preach this sermon just as good, if not better, than me. Because you know these things. But living these things is different than just knowing them. That's why in the book of James, he wrote that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we should be doers. So when I say that the secret to contentment is joy in Christ being enough, is Christ really everything to you? I want you to ask that question on a deeper level than what it would appear. Because I think a lot of times that may have surface level connotations where you would just go, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, pastor. I check yes on the box. Next, let's move on, please. Is he really everything to you? You see, here's the thing. We get angry when we don't get what we want. We feel a loss of control. But Paul, who had all of his rights stripped from him, and who was in prison, said he found the secret. Paul, who had had all of his rights taken away from him, he said, I found the secret to being content. You see, it's easier for us. Here's the problem. I, I think it's easier for us to be the victim than to look to Jesus as our source for joy and contentment. It's easy for us to just go, oh, everyone look at how everything in my life hasn't worked out right. Everyone look at my life and how everything hasn't gone my way. Will someone help me out? Will someone just do something for me? Because we don't have the gumption to keep moving forward on our own because when we get knocked down, we have this sense or this feeling that all of a sudden everyone should come and fix our problem and fix our issue and we're not moving from this spot until until somebody comes and picks me up out of the spot. When Jesus said, am I not enough to get you out of that? What if no human being ever comes to your aid at your lowest point? Is Christ still enough? Is Christ still enough? For Paul it was. For Paul, what about John? What, what about John, the disciple Jesus loved, who got exiled all alone on an island, left to die? Christ was enough for him. I mean, when we talk about what I need, when we talk about Christ being enough, when we talk about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I think we need to bring a new weight to that scripture. Amen? Something that causes us to think. Something that causes us to evaluate. Am I going to lay down in the road and play the victim? Or am I going to allow the strength of Christ to help me pick myself up and keep moving forward because I found my source. I found my hope. I found the secret. And it's not in any person. It's in Christ. And when Christ becomes my joy, when Christ becomes my peace, when Christ becomes my contentment, then I am able, not because of my strength, but because of His strength, to forgive, to love, to keep moving forward, to be content, because I have everything that I need. Because if I have Jesus, what more do I need? Yeah, life may stink for a little while. Yeah, you may be in prison. I don't know if you've ever been flogged, ridiculed, thrown in the stocks, and then tossed in the prison later, fed junky food, not slept real well, had limited contact with the outside world. I don't know if anyone in here has ever had that experience, but there is a man that we're reading about who had that experience, who found contentment in Christ. And we're not content because the other person got the promotion instead of us. We're not content because... 
we didn't get approved for the loan that we wanted to get to buy the house that we probably wouldn't have ended up being able to afford. And then we think we will be content if our marriage were like this person or this person, or if our bank account were like this person or this person, or if my life would have gone like this person who just had this appearing silver spoon in their mouth. And we always look to other people and we'll either get angry or we're always chasing after things that we think are going to make us content when Paul found the secret that joy in Christ is enough. You see, I can, I, I can, I can keep moving through this life and focusing on how everything may stink or, 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 or things may seemingly be difficult or I can understand that those are valleys and those are times and seasons that we experience in life, whether you're a Christian or not. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And we can spend all of our lives complaining about how unfair everything is. Or we can choose to focus on eternal things. Because an eternal perspective changes how I react to the challenges that are here on this earth. If I look at things from God's point of view, from God's vantage point, If I look at those things from his perspective, it changes how I react to the challenges here on earth. Because eternal perspectives should change how I treat people. Amen? Amen. It should. It should change how I treat people. And eternal perspective should. Because I'm going to be challenged here on this earth. Things are going to happen. Amen? Amen. We know we're all going to be challenged. Matter of fact, you could write that down. An eternal perspective changes how I react to challenges here on this earth. Because those things should make us realize I am going to be challenged. But if I have an eternal perspective, how I react to those things should be different. It should change. Because, I mean, normally, if, I, if, I, if I'm looking for myself and how I can benefit from everything and it's all about me, then I'm going to react very selfishly to when a challenge comes my way. But when I'm looking through the lenses of God, when I'm looking through the lenses of Scripture, when I'm looking through the lenses of relationship with Christ, and I know Him, and He is my all in all, and I have found contentment in Him, then when the challenges come, because we know they're going to come, I'm going to react differently. I'm going to treat people differently. I went to a Bucks game the other day when I watched a basketball game. Surprise! Um... <laughs> And, and I, 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 bought, I buy tickets through a certain guy. And anyways, he's been trying to get me to do the season ticket thing for a long time. And uh, about, about the past two years, he's been after me for season tickets. And, you know, I've always just kind of brushed him off and just enjoyed the perks that he would throw my way to try to get me to buy season tickets. So, you know, that's the kind of relationship that we've had for the past two years. I've got to do a lot of cool things there that normally you wouldn't get to do because of my great relationship with this guy. Well, finally, my wife and I talked it over, and we decided to go ahead and buy season tickets. So I finally sealed the deal with this guy, and this guy just treated me like royalty. He just treated me like he just, you know, was trying to sweet-talk me into these tickets, and finally I go, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go ahead and buy the tickets. And he was thrilled. He was happy. He was real grateful. Well, then all of a sudden, I noticed that when I started going to games after that, I started noticing that this guy started being a little distant. And all of a sudden now, he wasn't as friendly as he used to be. And, and, and I'm confused. I'm scratching my head. Because I would think that because this guy and I had such a great relationship before that our relationship was just going to go to the next level. But it didn't. And it really disappointed me in this guy because I thought that uh, you know his friendliness, his demeanor was 
was, of course, he's trying to do his job, but I thought there was some genuineness to it, and there may be. I'm not trying to be too overly critical. But at the same time, I, find I, felt, I kind of felt like I got dropped after I did what he wanted me to do. You ever felt that way before? Huh? Yeah? You feel me. Some of y'all, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You've you got somebody in your mind, too. But see, when I have a temporary perspective with God, I'm only interested in what I can get from Him. And then when I get what I want to get from God, then I'm done with God. I drop Him until I need something again. And then we get all chummy again. And then I get what I need, and then I drop it. And I go back and forth with this relationship, and I call it love. Sounds more like abuse to me. It, 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 it sounds more like I'm just using the relationship for my personal advantage. And do you think that God is not sharp enough that He doesn't see the intent of our heart and He doesn't see through that? Of course God sees through that. He sees right to the core of who we are. And He sees us for who we are. Folks, if we have an eternal perspective, however, I'm not as much interested in what He can do for me as in just who He is and how I can get to know Him more. Just not what He can give me. Amen? And you see, when that is my perspective, then all of a sudden Christ becomes enough. He becomes my source. He becomes all I need. Because I have this eternal perspective. So guess what? If something's not going well, I can be content. Because I know he's for me, not against me. You want to know why? Because I know him. I'm not just interested in what he can do for me. Because guess what? When I was on top of the mountain cheering and high-fiving everybody, and I'm all jazzed and excited about life, I was still with him. I didn't abandon him just because I'd gotten what I needed. Or just because I wasn't struggling at the moment. I said, you know what, God? I'm still going to invest in relationship with you. And it's going to carry me through those more difficult times because I also fellowshiped with you when I was on the mountain and you were still with me when I walked through the valley. Amen? Amen. When I have that type of relationship with him, when I talk to him as Adam walked and talked with God in the cool of the day, not where I feel like I, I'm, I'm unworthy to come to him or I, I can't come to him. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we can boldly approach the throne room of God. It says we can walk into his presence boboldly to obtain mercy in our time of need. It says we can boldly come before him because we know him. We're his children. We're his kids. We have access to him, and because of that, I can be content. I can talk to him. God, thank you for this day. I can praise him. Remember last week we talked about having a thankful heart and how that's going to drive a very thankful, gracious behavior. One that's going to appreciate God for who He is when we walk with a thankful attitude. And that's part of having that eternal perspective. It's seeing beyond what is. And it's me seeing, God, I'm going to trust in Your plan. I'm going to trust in Your way. I'm going to trust in Your Word even through the tough times. That's how I can be content. And then when I've learned to be content, then I've learned the secret that Paul was talking about earlier. Because if I put God's kingdom agenda ahead of my own, then He's going to take care of my need. Because he said he's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Did he not? But what's the context in which Paul said that? We like to pull that scripture out. But what did he say in context? He was saying, man, there have been times, church in Philippi, you guys have taken care of me. Thank you so much. You guys have always supported me. You sent me food. You sent me money. You sent me whatever I needed. You, you've taken care of me. There were other churches that weren't able to do that. 
but you've been taking care of me, but I realized something, and this is what Paul was saying. He said, you guys have supported me, you've been generous, thank you, but I still know, even if you didn't do that, that God would take care of me because you're not my source. I don't want you to get the glory for taking care of me. It's God who supplies my need according to his riches and glory. That's what Paul was saying. He said, thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your donations. I appreciate those things. But at the same time, I recognize where my source is. And it's not the church in Philippi. Because it's not about you, church in Philippi. It's not about you, church in Sheboygan Falls. Amen? It's about God's greater picture and His glory. And He's going to supply all of our need according to His riches and glory. In other words, He has an agenda. And if I line up with His agenda, then He's going to take care of the things that I need. Amen? The things I need because it's his kingdom agenda that he's interested in. And when I put that agenda ahead of my own personal agenda, he takes care of me. That's what he said in his word. See, when I'm focused on what I can get, when I'm focused on how I'm owed something, or I'm always looking at things through what's in it for me, then I'm not thinking about his kingdom agenda. I'm not thinking about how I can serve others because God's kingdom agenda is the big picture. It's the big picture of seeing his goodness. It's the big picture of seeing his love, his compassion, his mercy, his forgiveness, and his generosity displayed through those who know him. And this is all for his glory, and it's all to point people to Jesus. It's all to point people to the hope of the world. It's all to share the gospel. And when I lose focus on God's agenda, I find that I'm distracted from what he wants me to do. I find that I have a tendency to get more depressed. I find that I have a tendency to get angrier about things I can't control. But when I focus on his agenda, I find great contentment. But when I'm not content, guess what? I'm, <laughs> I'm not generous. When I'm not content, I'm not generous. <laughs> when I'm not content, I'm full of anger. When I'm not content, I'm full of entitlement. You owe me! Right? When I'm not content, I will have a tendency to drift over into playing the victim. You see, when I'm not generous, when I'm not focused on his agenda, when I'm not content, when I'm not full of his joy, then I'm focused on myself. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's better. I don't know if you guys are getting this or not, but uh, maybe it's better to explain it like this. Who likes donuts? <laughs> Who likes donuts? Anybody... Anybody like donuts? Anybody? I don't know. Who likes donuts, for real? Anybody like donuts? You want one? I need a volunteer. Come here. I'm, I'm dead serious, by the way. <laughs> All right, got a volunteer. All right, you guys, you guys can both be volunteers. Fantastic. All right. All right, fellas, turn around. Let's, let, let, let's sit down for a minute. Come on. There's a lot of donuts, right? What if, that's what I'm talking about. All right. What if I told you, why don't you reach in and grab one? Each one of you. Yeah, why don't you reach in and grab one? Now, donuts, they are delicious. They are not nutritious. I used to eat lots of donuts. But then I found my way, and I have since stayed away from them. Unless it's Forgeman's Ministry, April 11th. Then I will have one, 8 a.m. <laughs> See how I did that? 
That's marketing right there, no? <laughs> That's a lot of donuts, right? You guys, um, I'll tell you, I'll make you a deal. You can have as many donuts as you want, but you have to eat them right here in front of everybody. And that's all you can have. <laughs> now go, go ahead and eat one donut. Now what? Tell me, guys. I think you guys are pretty sharp. You guys look really, really smart. Right? Yeah. You consider yourself pretty sharp, pretty smart? Now, I know that the idea of eating all these donuts sounds awesome. Doesn't it? <laughs> but could you really eat all these donuts? No. What would happen? Maybe half, sure. I mean, if, if, if it were a contest, if it were a contest, right? Right? All right. But you know you can't eat all these donuts because what would happen if you ate all these donuts? You think so? Wouldn't that be like super embarrassing to throw up right here in front of everybody? That would be really embarrassing. What, you think that'd be embarrassing? Because you'd have to eat them all right here. Okay, that's the deal. You would have to eat all of these right here too. You're absolutely just gut busted full. All right, but here's the thing. I think that sometimes that when we're holding our donut, you guys can eat your donuts. Come on, let's just hang out for a minute. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> I think, uh, isn't that really awesome eating in front of like, you know, a crowd of people? Isn't that super comfortable? I love it when people watch me. It's the best. It's the best. All right. But here's the thing, is that we could eat all of these donuts if we tried, maybe, but we know we would be sick. But instead, wouldn't it be easier if we were just content with what we were given? Because the donuts are good. Actually, the funny thing is, is that if you eat more of these donuts, you're going to heap all these things upon yourself because they're available to you, but at the same time... It's not going to be as enjoyable as that first one, is it? There's going to get a point. There's going to come a point where you're like, this was the worst idea ever. (laughs) And when we roll you both out of church after eating all these donuts, you're going to think that wasn't the best idea, right? It's kind of the same way I think that the Apostle Paul was trying to help us to understand that contentment with godliness is great gain. I think it's the same way that the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to look at things from eternal perspective. We can enjoy what God gives us, and we should. I'm not saying that what God gives us is wrong or bad. What God gives us is good. But when we only focus on those things and we look at how much I can get, then all of a sudden it becomes all about me. Then it becomes all about these things, and internally I become sick because I'm focused on what I can get and how much of it I can get. And this is how a lot of people live life. A lot of people live life seeing how many donuts that they can eat. A lot of people live life the same way. When the Apostle Paul said, hey, I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to be okay with what I have been given at the time. I learned how to enjoy it because, you know what, when I actually just have that one, I'm going to enjoy it more than if I had the whole dozen. Right? Does that make sense? Give these guys a hand. Tell them, you can go back to your seat. No. It was funny. It generally takes me somewhere around three to seven hours to prepare my sermon, depending on the length but, uh, of my sermons. And uh, this sermon came to me rather quickly because I had this donut idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I just began to think, you know, here's the thing is that 
when we're, when we're just focused on what we can get and how much of it we can get, we're making ourselves sick and we don't realize it. But the thing is, is that God's provision enables me to live generously because the better option for these two fellows would have been to enjoy the blessing, enjoy the free donut, and then go share with other people. Would that not have been better? Or would it have been better for them to try to see how many they could eat? That might have been fun. We might have been taking bets. It might be a great way to raise funds for the Momentum Project. But at the same time, it wouldn't have been healthy, would it? And we're interested in health in our relationship with God. We're interested in growth because we know that if something is healthy, that it's going to grow naturally. So in order for me to be healthy in my perspective, in my relationship with God, I need to see things through the lenses of God. And when God says... I want you to trust me whether I've blessed you abundantly during this time and you, you, you can see all of the, the benefits of those blessings and you're living comfortably or maybe when you still understand my blessing in a different way that you still have everything you need even when it looks like you have nothing at all. That I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to be hungry. I've learned how to you know, have everything that I need. Paul said I've learned how to abase and be abased and I've learned how to abound. He said... And I found the secret to contentment. And my secret is is that I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, when I have a heart that prioritizes his agenda, I will be willing to inconvenience my flesh because I am content. Because when I'm content, I'm not just going to be able to worry about myself. I'm actually more focused on how can I give, how can I live generously because God is my provision. In other words, I'm more interested in what I can give to others than what I can get. One way of thinking about this is how many donuts can I eat? <laughs> or a kingdom-driven <laughs> a kingdom-driven heart will look at how many can I give away? Because I know what it takes for me to be content. I know what I need. Because God said he'll supply my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus. God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When I understand God's agenda is that his glory be shown to the earth, then I am honored to get to be a part of that. In other words, I say, God, you're my provision, so my time, my talent, my treasure, it's all really yours anyway, so use it for your glory. And we release the things, (laughs) we release the things that we've held dear, that we've tried to hold on to, to for ourselves we we release those things because even though we might be able to enjoy those things and we think the more we have the more we'll enjoy i'm looking at the thing as being my source instead of going okay let me focus on the one who gave me all i need and then i can learn the secret like paul said to being content because god's provision is contentment in christ that's god's provision God's provision is contentment in Christ. God's provision is contentment in Christ. When I'm content in Christ, then guess what? Nothing dictates my joy but Him. Oh, let me say that again. Because I've got some people really distracted right now. I said when I'm content in Christ, nothing dictates my joy but Him. You can be full when Jesus is enough. You can be content because God's provision is Jesus. Man, 
my joy can be full? What if all of the sudden, all of the modern conveniences in our world just all of a sudden were stripped from us? What if there was no more drive through window? What if there was no more uh, working vehicle? What if there was no more running water, lights out? Would we still be content with Christ? What if we were thrown into a prison after being beaten for the sake of Christ? Normally, the reason that we got beaten and thrown in jail, I would be angry with that person. But Paul said, I'm not angry at Christ. I am willing to suffer these things because I'm content in Christ. I found the secret. There's a secret. There's a, there's a level of understanding in relationship with Jesus that Paul got to where he was able to be content with Christ. He said, I'm still trying to get a hold of that thing that got a hold of me. He said, I'm still pressing towards the mark or the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm still forgetting those things which are behind me. Paul is trying to help these people in the church in Philippi understand, listen guys, I love you, I care about you. Thank you for taking care of me in my time of need, but really at the end of the day, Christ is truly all I need. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your support. But even if I didn't have it, I would still continue on because he's going to supply all I need because he is all I need. Isn't that weighty? Isn't that heavy? Does that bring a different weight to relationship with Jesus Christ? Folks, I can't tell you how much contentment in Christ will gain you. And I can tell you how much chasing after the pleasures of this world will only last for a season. But chasing after a relationship with Christ will give you more than enough because He is all we need. And then Paul said, the peace of God which passes our understanding, that guards our hearts, that guards our minds, will be with us in Christ Jesus because He's all we need. You see, when I realize Jesus is all I need, guess what I can do, folks? I can rest. I can go you know what? The situation is unfortunate. The situation is difficult. The situation is hard. And it's really not fair when you look at what happened. And it wasn't right. It wasn't just. But at the same time, I can still walk in love. I can still walk in peace. I can still walk in forgiveness. I can still strive to preserve unity and not cause division because I go... Christ is really all I need. My deepest need is not that people like me or people think I'm great. My deepest need is really Jesus. Everything else is just a symptom of that need. But when I find the treasure and I go, no, he's really my need, instead of trying to satisfy all of these other little things, I just go straight for the core. No, what I really need is Christ. And when I find him, he satisfies like nothing else. Amen? Would you bow your head this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.